And we are reading from the Shema Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 18, verse number 40. And as uh, and this is a very important verse because it is Kasyapa, before he starts criticizing his wife, it, well, it, it says women in general, but he's really criticizing his wife for doing this very dastardly uh, deed. He takes blame himself. And I think that is significant. And as a, and, you know, like I said, we, when we point our finger at somebody else, there's three po- fingers pointing at ourself. And it's also sometimes said that if you see a fault in someone else, uh, that is often because you have it yourself. And so you're quite aware of it. Now, it's not every time, but that is, uh, something to think about when you're, when you can easily point out another person's shortcomings. It may be that we have that, that same shortcoming and it's something to, uh, to think about. And if there, if we think there's some truth to it, to, um, try to improve ourselves in that, in that way. Okay. So I have, uh, everything open here and the translation is this woman, my wife has adopted a means that follows her nature and therefore she is not to be blamed. So, but I am a man, therefore all condemnation upon me. I am not at all conversant in what is good for me since I could not control my senses. And that's because in previous verses, right? We talked about uh, that. He said he was too attached to his wife and therefore did what she said. And I, you know, I, I, I even asked my wife if I should do this and I decided not to, <laughs> but I was thinking of playing a little excerpt from, um, maybe I mentioned this last week from the, the movie or the play guys and dolls. Did I mention that last week? Uh, Henry probably remembers that it's, uh, he's, or at least, you know, I mean, it's actually from the fifties, so he wouldn't remember that, but he probably, his parents may have told him about it or saw the play later on in life. But anyway, the, the, uh, the, the, the theme song for Guys and Dolls, it's just, I just find it interesting that we read about something that happened thousands, if not millions of years ago, and, and there's truth today. And so there's one, for example, one, uh, the whole song is about how men change their whole nature and get totally enamored, you know, get, just become, just become like subservient to women when they, you know, want to uh, please their senses in that way. So there's one, there's one line, for example, uh, when you see a gent paying all kinds of rent for a flat that could flatten the Taj Mahal, say it's sad, call it funny, but it's better than even money that the guy is only doing it for some doll. You know, in other words, the man only, is only doing it for some woman. So forgive my singing, but I just thought it was uh, interesting that you can see this throughout history. It's not just something that, thousands of years ago, but um, it, it happens, you know, throughout, throughout our times. So I thought I'd do that without actually having you have to see Frank Sinatra sing a song. I, I saved you from that. Okay, uh, text 41. <clears throat> so now he's talking about his wife. So remember that, all the ladies here, don't get offended. Uh, a woman's face is as attractive and beautiful as a blossoming lotus flower during autumn. Her words are very sweet, and they give pleasure to the ear. But if we study a woman's heart, we can understand it to be extremely sharp, like a blade, like the blade of a razor. In this circumstances, who could understand the dealings of a woman? So remember his his what his wife had just done, right? She had um, she had basically tricked him into 
wanting into helping um, into being an accomplice in killing uh, the king of heaven, Indra. Mm. And um, Prabhupada writes that, uh, well, in the first few paragraphs, he talks about just how, how, how women are the fair sex, and especially in youth, when they're young, they can be very attractive to, to, to men. And they can, and so, you know, the, the illusion, the illusions of the women's and men's relationship, he, he brings out there in the, uh, in the purport. And, um, but in the, I, I want to focus on the, on the last paragraph. So sometimes our Krishna consciousness movement is criticized for mingling men and women, but in Krishna consciousness is, but Krishna consciousness is meant for everyone. Whether one is a man or woman, it does not matter. So sometimes when, when Prabhupada was approached about the, uh, some of these statements in scriptures about the women's nature, he said, no, this is not, of course, he said, apply to devotee women. Um, and I think we also know that it doesn't apply to all women. And we, we may know women in the world are very, just wonderful. You know, uh, even they're not devotees. But, ex- but Prabhupada specifically said when, um, for a woman devotee, as he says here, it does not matter. And he quotes the verse, uh, whether one is woman, sudra, vaisha, not to speak of being a Brahmin or chatri, everyone is fit to return back home back to Godhead if he strictly follows the instructions of the spiritual master and Shastra. We therefore request all the members of the Krishna conscious movement, both men and women, not to be attracted by bodily features, but only to be attracted to Krishna. Then everything will be all right. Otherwise, and he gives a warning at the end, there will be danger. So this is important. This is uh, important to understand the uh, amazing um, adjustments that acharyas make according to the time, the place, and the circumstance. They don't change the principles. I was talking to a devotee the other yesterday, who is translating the Hari Bhakti Vilas. He's a scholar. And he, he lives in Europe, and he said he was he said he was daydreaming the other day, and he said, yeah, and it was written by you know Sanatan Goswami. Um, so he said, what would happen if Sanatan Goswami walked into my house today? <laughs> what would he think? You know, because it's not exactly sleeping under a different tree every night. He has a nice house in Europe, mm. and uh, he doesn't always you know wear a dhoti and and you know tilak and everything. You know, what would he think? And then, then he said, but I thought about it. And he said, he would recognize that I'm chanting Hare Krishna. He recognized that I'm reading the scriptures. He would recognize that I'm associating with devotees. He would recognize that I have deities. So he would recognize the essence. And the great acharyas, they never adjust, they never change the essence. But they have uh, the ability, they have the, the mandate, I would say not even ability, but the mandate to adjust things in the service of Lord Krishna. And this, this is a very uh, important point. Uh, of course, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he was preaching to the Padraloks, the intelligentsia of Bengal at that time, who were basically uh, foregoing Hinduism uh, in, in its various forms um, because it didn't uh, appeal to their intellectual natures. So, Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote things in the Krishna Samhita that we would go, what? But he did that in order to attract the Badra Lok. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. 
he re he refocused the understanding of renunciation. Of course, all based on Shastra, all based on Rupa Goswami. But he, you know, he drove uh, into Radhakund with a fancy car. <laughs> he, if you ever been to, I mean, if you ever been to his um, place in, uh, well, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's place actually in Radhakund. He has a Western toilet. Unheard of. Unheard of. Even today it's unheard of. What to speak of 100 years ago. Um, and he used a printing press. And he had the big Bag Bazaar uh, temple in Kolkata. Unheard of. You know, the generally devoted Gaudiya Vaishnavas were, were um, renunciates and, and lived very simply. But he applied Rupa Goswami's principles. So Prabhupada in the most genius way, uh, applied the ancient wisdom. What, what did he write in that, in that Vyasa Puja? Uh, something, something in a new bottle. Maybe Sugandakan, it was Bhakti, it was Prabhupada's Vyasa Puja to Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. A miracle done, his divine grace, I think would be the key words to look up. But, um, and, and Prabhupada did that. So here's one of them. Uh, generally, even in Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasa, he had many, many, many women disciples, but they were, you know, um, they were grihastas and, and, you know, just serving their husband and not serving in the temple. So one time Prabhupada told Burijan Prabhu, he said, the reason I was successful when my godbrothers were not as, were not successful is because I had women in the ashram. Right? So he, 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 he let, we, he, he, practically Saradiya was the one, was the woman who was Prabhupada instructed to travel around the Iskhan temples and train the devotees in deity worship. Jamuna Mataji was the acharya for cooking and so many things, but you know, certainly for cooking. So he, uh, for the deities and for Krishna. So he did this, uh, he, he, and this is totally bona fide Sanatana Goswami in the Hari Bhakti Vilas says that uh that women uh very against what the what people understood at the time that women can worship shalagram shila so Prabhupada was uh oh here Sudanda has put it did you quote the whole thing um uh, the line of service as drawn by you is pleasing and healthy like morning dew the oldest of all but in new dress miracle done your divine grace and then his famous line, absolute is sentient, thou has proved, impersonal calamity thou has moved. This gives us a life anew and fresh. Worship thy feet, your divine grace. Hmm. And thank you for the reference for that also. You are amazing at finding things. So I'll, I'll just quote one other uh, point in this regard. This is from the Adi Lila, the Srimad Bhagavatam. It is the concern of the Acharya to show mercy to the fallen souls. In this connection, Desha Kalapatra, the place, the time, and the object should be taken into consideration. Since the European and American boys and girls in our Krishna conscious movement preach together, less intelligent men criticize that they are mingling without restriction. In Europe and, Amer in Europe and America, boys and girls mingle unrestrictedly and have equal rights. Therefore, it is not possible to completely separate the men from the women. However, we are thoroughly instructing both men and women how to preach, and actually they are preaching wonderfully. Of course, we very strictly prohibit illicit sex. Boys and girls who are not married are not allowed to sleep together or live together. And there are separate arrangements for boys and girls in every temple. Grihastas live outside the temple, for in the temple we do not allow even husband and wife to live together. The results of this is wonderful. 
Both men and women are preaching the gospel of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Krishna with redoubled strength. In this verse, the words Sabha Nishtarite Kare Chaturi Apara indicate that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to deliver one and all. Therefore, it is a principle that a preacher must strictly follow the rules and regulations laid down in the Shastra, yet at the same time devise a means by which the preaching work to reclaim the fallen may go on with full force. So what a uh, amazing, amazing um, different adjustments that Prabhupada made. I was also the same devotee scholar I was talking to the other day was saying that, and Prabhupada was criticized for this. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur was criticized for this. Bhakti Vinoda, he said, he said naturally, he said it just, it has to happen. There'll be, there'll be praise like anything by the majority and some people will be uncomfortable with, with some of the adjustments that they make. And that doesn't stop the Acharya from making those adjustments for the, uh, for the service of Krishna and for doing what's right. So I, I really picked up on this last paragraph on this and it's so, um, so important and wonderful that, uh, cause Prabhupada even, you know, he was cognizant. He said, yes, I'm criticized for this. And basically he didn't care. <laughs> Ram Ram, Kakare, what to do? <laughs> uh, any questions or comments on this point? A question of Prabhu. Yes, Nani Mukhi. Um, thank you. So, um, I have two comments. Okay. One is on the same topic, uh, women, and the other is about, uh, communication. Okay. Uh, (laughs) so, uh, the first one, uh, with regard to the men and women, um, I was remembering in the fifth canto when we read something about Narada's instruction to King Prachinap Barhi, he related to the king the story of King Puranjana, mm-hmm. in which the living entity is labeled as man, and his materialistic intelligence is labeled as woman. Uh-huh. And so I think when I was reading this uh, text, that we are reading today, uh, how do we identify ourselves as men or women is uh, not uh, something definitive. Mm. And that is temporary. It's, yeah. You're, now, are you we, breaking up or is uh, it me? See, You're breaking up. I think. It must be New Jersey, the bad weather. <laughs> Hear me? Uh, it's a little hard. Are others uh, experiencing challenge hearing her? Yeah, it's breaking yes. up. Yeah, it was good for a while, and then it was breaking up. Nandi Mukhi. is that a cell phone connection? It doesn't look like it. Looks like she's on Zoom. How about now? That's better. Please continue. Go ahead, Nandi Mukhi. No. Okay, no. let us uh, let me just uh, try to speak on another time, and we uh, we can proceed with other problems if they have comments. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm eager to hear what else Nandi Mukhi wanted to say. Other comments, questions on this? Well, later on, uh, they're going to show the role of Lakshmi, which is something I haven't seen described exactly that way since I started here four years ago, five years ago. So they're going to yeah. 
That's yes. going to be detailed. Yeah. Yes. And as we pointed out last week, that the Bhagavatam, the most advanced devotees in the universe or in all universes are the gopis. Right. And um, I think I pointed that out here. Maybe it was in another class that I gave. And uh, of course, the prayers of Queen Kunti are some of the most powerful prayers in the, uh, in the Bhagavatam. And Kapila, who did he preach? Who did he preach to? Whoops, somebody just went off a mute. I'll just mute you now and then you can speak, uh, Guru Das Prabhu. Um, who, did, who did he preach to? His mom. Uh, this, this very exalted philosophy, Kapila Dave. Okay, uh, other comments, questions? Krishna Prabhu. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, Shakshi Prabhu. So I have a question on this chapter itself that um, Diti. Uh, is treating uh, um, uh, the Indra as the enemy. Um, actually, uh, after seeing Prahalad Maharaj and like uh, and uh, Hiranyakashipu's uh, story and all that stuff, they are all like seeing Mahavishnu as his enemy. Why she is um, considering Indra as an enemy, and then she wants to take revenge? Well, my understanding is they're teammates. You know, so just like uh, if you don't like somebody on the uh, Washington Wizards, you might say, oh, the whole team is just because, you know, he's um, a representative of uh, Team Vishnu, so to speak. <laughs> and so sees, you know, the demigods as complicit in um, in the demise of her two sons. OK. Other questions, comments? Hare Krishna Prabhu, this is Jivitatudas. Yes, Prabhu. So, Srila Prabhupada in his writing, as we read, he is again and again warning us against, you know, to be careful how powerful Maya is. Mm -hmm. But energy is so powerful that a living entity in the body of a dog behaves like a dog and a body of a cat behaves like a cat. And similarly, in the body of a man and a woman, you know, the attraction towards opposite sex and towards this sense objects that are in this material world, you know, there is always danger lurking around for us. Even Vishwamitra, he fell prey to Menka after 60,000 years of meditation. So that's like a warning that we get again and again from scriptures to be careful and keep our focus, you know, in devotional service, engagement in devotional services to please Krishna. That becomes the motive. And that's the only way to stay safe. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and there's a reason behind it, and the reason is that um, in in that combination of man and woman, it's it's for both parties. It's um, it's very much focused. It's very much focused on ourselves as the enjoyer, instead of doing things for Krishna's pleasure. So that's the uh, the existential challenge with this, and and therefore, um, if if we uh, if, if sex is done for the uh, procreation of children and Krishna conscious children, it, it, it's spiritual. Uh, Krishna says, I am that act. I am that act that is done according to religious principles. And it is a, 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 it's a glorious thing, which is interesting when, when we do the same activity, but we, we include Krishna in the activity and we do it for his pleasure. Um, it's, it's a glorious activity, um, and it produces uh, glorious offspring. 
Anything else? Okay, then let us carry on. I just had one thing. Yes. Go ahead. Well, this this is uh, approaching it from a slightly different angle. I, I find it um, somewhat uh, heartbreaking that uh, so many, not always women, but but uh, people generally women who read Prabhupada's purports and include that he had a some kind of um, bias or discrepancy or uh, against women as a class. Um, and uh, the understanding that I'm trying to imbibe and realize fully is that his vision was completely transcendental. Well, yeah, and that's why we've said, you know, how many times during all these 206 classes have we talked about context and having the full picture, right? And so that is, so all these quotes that I brought out today, how, how Prabhupada... Uh, um, not only did he see men and women equally in that sense, but he, he broke tradition to do that, you know. So there may be some discussions about, you know, women in their, in, you know, as, as with men in their material uh, consciousness. Um, but one has to look at the whole picture. And how many times did Prabhupada quote that verse from Bhagavad Gita that yanti uh, that they can all uh, attain the supreme destination. And uh, there's a lovely book. Does anyone know the name of it? Uh, my wife has it. Um, it's all about Prabhupada's uh, women disciples, written by Prabhupada's women disciples. Ponds of love. Ponds uh, of love. Ponds of love. Yeah. 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 So, so I think that's that's very important to see in his personal life. How did Prabhupada deal with his women disciples? And you see, uh, with great affection, like a father would for his daughters. One of my favorite. Thing, one of my favorite remembrance of that is the in the Lilamrita when uh, the they were having a kirtan on stage in India and some man was trying to grab at one of the ladies and like grab her sorry you know when she was dancing on stage I guess they wanted because they, in a previous uh, uh, day at the Pandal the devotees had come down and danced through the audience but this day they hadn't they stayed on stage this person wasn't trying to. to take her clothes off, but was trying to grab her to come down and dance, you know, to have the whole kirtan go into the audience. And Prabhupada was so upset that he, he started wheeling his cartel to hit the guy with the cartels. <laughs> he, I, you know, he was so protective of, uh, of his uh, daughters like that. So thank you for bringing that up. Gurudasbu. Yeah. Okay. So let us continue. We're going up to verse number. 47. And I'll, I'll say one last thing, that Prabhupada was balancing um, uh, two things, that the, the, the Shastra and the Varnashram system uh, extols the glorious uh, position of, of motherhood and of, of the uh, traditional role of, of women in society. Uh, you know, what is that saying? The, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. You know, the training, the, the first guru that you have is your mother, right? And she is so, I know for my son, um, my wife took off five years of doing uh, teaching to just take care of Gopinath. That's, that, was her, that was her service, to take care of Gopinath for the first five years of his life. Because we had heard that uh, that's psychologically, that's very, very helpful, helpful for the child. 
So, so we did, we did that. Um, and there is, and that was, that's obviously seen throughout Shastra that, that way of uh, a woman having her occupation. And, and so Prabhupada certainly didn't want to go against that or, or, or disagree with that. And at the same time, like we, like in the quote that I just read, he was also dealing with how times have changed and, uh, and women can do such amazing service, as he said, uh, now that they're working side by side with their God brothers, it's the, they were preaching with redoubled strength. He used that word, redoubled strength. So he was, you know, so he wanted to encourage both. If you want to use technical terms, the egalitarian and the complementarian. Complementarian means that husband and wife complement each other. They, they have different occupations, so to speak, but they complement one another. Um, you know, the, the wife being the homemaker, the husband being the bread maker, right? Um, and he also uh, uh, encouraged egalitarianism where, you know, the husband and wife or, or man and woman are both preaching, both doing deity worship, both cooking for the Lord, both doing everything. So, uh, and no one should be criticized for either. If there's uh, ladies in our society who really want to, you know, they really want to be housewives and take care of the house and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, that should be totally encouraged. There's nothing at all, you know, that's fine. And if ladies would prefer to, uh, you know, use their uh, God-given talents in another way, that's that can also be encouraged. So it's it's not either or, it's it's and. And I've seen like even again with my wife. So she she very much had the complementarian part in the first part of our of our uh, time together. And uh, now she's a, you know and then she became a head the principal of a school and then the president of a temple. Um, and still she prefers to do most of the kind of like what, you know, we would, the traditional role back at home. Um, but, but she's very much, you know, out on the front line, so to speak <laughs> in her service. So I hope that's, I hope that's helpful that, that it's not one or the other. Okay. Uh, all right. So we're going up to uh, 47. And as you can see, <laughs> we don't have anything to worry about that. We're going to finish chapter 19 today. <laughs> Okay, text 40, let's see, that was 41? 42. I read 42, right? Oh, no, I'm reading 42 now, right? Yeah. Okay, so remember, uh, he's talking, he's very upset at his wife. <laughs> to satisfy their own interests, women deal with men as if the man were most dear to them, but no one is actually dear to them. Woman is supposed to be very saintly, but for their own interests, they can kill even their husband, sons, or brothers, or cause them to be killed by others. So again, he's uh, very upset with her for what he had just, uh, what had happened. I promised to give her a benediction, and this promise cannot be violated, but Indra does not deserve to be killed. In these circumstances, the solution I have is quite suitable. Sri Sukadeva Goswami said, Kasyapa Muni, thinking in this way, became somewhat angry, condemning himself, O Maharaj Prikshit, descendant of Kuru, he spoke to Titi as follows. Kasyapa Muni said, my dear gentle wife, if you follow my instructions regarding this vow for at least one year, you will surely get a son who will be able to kill Indra. However, <laughs> if you deviate from this vow of following the Vaishnava principles, you will get a son who will be favorable to Indra. Titi replied, my dear Brahmana, I must accept your advice and follow the vow. Now let me understand what I have to do what is forbidden and what will break the vow. Please clearly state all of this for me. 
Kasyapa said, my dear wife, to follow this vow, do not be uh, violent or cause harm to anyone. Do not curse anyone and do not speak lies. Do not cut your nails or hair and do not touch impure things like skulls and bones. Purport. Kasyapa Muni's first instruction to his wife was not to be envious. The general tendency of anyone within this material world is to be envious. And therefore, to become a Krishna conscious person, one must curb this tendency, as stated in Srimad Bhagavatam, Paramo Nirmatsaranam. A Krishna conscious person is always non-envious, whereas others are always envious. Thus, Kasyapa Muni's instructions, instruction that his wife not be envious indicates that this is the first stage of advancement in Krishna consciousness. Kasyapa Muni desired to train his wife to be a Krishna conscious person, for this would suffice to protect both her and Indra. Mm. So why is a devotee non-envious? Now we can, we could talk about non-envy really for the next three hours. It's such a big topic. Let's try to cover a few points. One reason we're non-envious or one way we become non-envious is we see Krishna's hand in our life and in everything. You know, we, we, so if someone has something that we don't have, they, they bought a fancier car than we have, we say, oh, Krishna, that is, Krishna is giving them their karma and I have my karma, right? If someone can play a murdanga and we can just go tak, tak, ting, ting, tak, tak, ting, ting, I wish I was like them. We say, well, Krishna has given them that ability and I have other abilities. As Prabhupada told Peter Burwash, do not be upset at the agent of your karma. So when things happen to us, we don't blame Krishna. That's kind of being envious of him. As a matter of fact, that verse, uh, maybe you can put it in the chat again. We've, we've quoted it many times, Sudhanda. Tatenu kampam subshinikshamanu punjaniyevatmaritam vipakam. That says that when something, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, she'll have the exact quote, or someone will. Uh, but when basically when, some, when we meet some challenges in our life, a devotee doesn't blame Krishna. Well, that was so fast. <laughs> my God. Uh, my dear Lord, one who earnestly waits for you to bestow your causeless mercy upon him, all the while patiently suffering the reactions of his past misdeeds. So something, t- bad things happen to him. But he's all, he or she is always waiting for Krishna's mercy. And while doing so, offering the, we offer our respects with our heart, our words, and our mind. And if we do that, if we follow this instruction, we are surely eligible. It be, it's, it's our rightful claim to go back to Godhead. It's our rightful claim. Now, that's a powerful statement. And as we've said so many times before, this verse, Prabhupada said, should be the guide of all devotees. Why is it? It's because that is like the essence of non-envy in one sense. Because the envy to, towards God is, why did he do this to me? Why am I suffering? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? If, if God is supposed to be so nice, why did... Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And a devotee does, an advanced devotee does not ask that question. They they just don't see that that's the right question. They see, I got my karma coming. And if anything, Krishna's minimized it because he's so kind. And and whatever happens to me, I want to serve him. So I have my, in my heart, my mind, my words. And then if we, if we get into that not blaming mode, we inherit the kingdom of God. We, we've cut, we've cut uh, right at the root of our material existence. Each Advesha Samutena Dvandva Mohena Parata. 
that uh, the, the Icha, the, the original desire, I want to be the supreme, I want to be controller and enjoyer, and Isha Dvesha and the original hate. Who made, who does Krishna think he is? Who made him God? What the heck? You know, he's supposed to be my order supplier. And I, you know, I've been praying for that Lexus for so long and I'm still stuck with this Maruti 800. If you're not from India, you won't know what I'm talking about. But Maruti 800 is like a Fiat 500. It's this little car. <laughs> I see some of the buddies from India laughing. Uh, <laughs> so, it's such, it's a very important verse. So that's, that's one way to look at envy, right? Just that we should not envy Krishna by not questioning him or doubting him or criticizing him, even, you know, in our mind a little bit, but just, I'm here to serve you, Krishna. Now, the dic- dic- dictionary definition is a feeling of discontent or resentment, longing, uh, or, 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 I'm sorry, or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions their qualities, or their luck. Um, another one is painful or resentful awareness of the advantage enjoyed by another uh, with a desire to possess the same advantage. So let me ask you this. How does, in your own life, in your own mind, um, how does envy manifest? When do you catch yourself or you're in your heart or in your mind thinking an envious thought if you are so bold as to go off of mute and be honest in the assembly of Vaishnavas. Hare Krishna, it's Amanda. Yes, Amanda. Um, I think for me, it's I've caught myself a few times, like just if you're on social media mm-hmm. and then you can see, you know, this perfect picture or something, you're like, oh, my life doesn't look like that. <laughs> and yeah, it's like the comparison. Uh, yes. Kind of pulled into it without you know it's quite powerful thank you amanda and you have you you know you really brought up a really important point amanda thank you so because because social media instagram and facebook you know has just made this a thousand times worse right people are taking pictures of the pizza that they're having (laughs) and you know and you're looking at your kitchen and saying oh (laughs) kitchen they have pizza you know, and, and that's kind of the motive, isn't it? For many people, they want to show how yeah. they're having so much fun. Instead of yeah. being on vacation, they want to show everyone how much fun they're having on vacation. Yeah. 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 So it, it's really got, it's really, is your experience, it's really amped up since social media has become so prevalent? Or are you so young yeah. that you've always been around social media? <laughs> no, no, it's amped up a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Other insights? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, uh, Raghunanda Prabhu. So basically this sense of enviousness comes when I want something very much and I have not gotten it, but I see others around me getting it. Even it might be just a praise or a recognition. Oh, yeah. From, you say, then maybe I should also, it would be nice if I had gotten that recognition or a praise. So that, 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 it, it's very subtle, but it's like it 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 results in uh, the same kind of uh, situation, uh, which is not a good place to be. Yes, you're in a staff meeting, and you, the supervisor says, "Oh, uh, you know, uh, Ru- Rupesh, such a nice, such good work you've done, very good." And and Raghunanda says, "What about me? Uh, you know, <laughs> you know I, did, I I was on that project also, or I did you know something else." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very much like that. 
Um, Prabhupada also says that meat eating is a kind of envy, that you're willing to kill an animal just to, just to satisfy your own tongue. Uh, other, other experiences in your life where you catch quite yourself envious? Well, I'm not much of a devotee, but I'm, when I'm in devotee association, like here or, uh, in another place where devotees gather and, uh, there are devotees who are, oh, so knowledgeable in the Shastra and they are quoting verses and very, uh, as, as, as you are, uh, want to do, uh, make connections. Mm-hmm. By, uh, by quoting and I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I sometimes say, Oh, I wish I could sing like so and so. I wish I could play Murdunga like such and such. And I have, and let's be honest. I think we've all had the experience of, um, seeing someone's misfortune and for a second at least feeling some happiness in their misfortune. That, uh, you know, and, and knowing, at least as devotees, knowing that we shouldn't think like that, but our mind may go there at least briefly. Because uh, we're supposed to be para dukkha dukhi. We're supposed to be unhappy when we see other people's unhappiness. That's compassion. So envy is, uh, envy is, uh, yeah, it's why we're in this material world. I think it's Bhakti Manu Thakur who sings that I'm happy when others... Our, yes, he says that when others, yeah. yes. And that, so when we read that, we say, oh, my God, Bhaktivinoda Thakur really hit the nail on the head with that one. Andy, were you going to say something? I, I couldn't tell. Yeah, I wanted to ask the assembly, um, the Hindi word puka, I just found out about it. Did you hear that? Puka? P-U-K-K-A? Puka? Puka? No, no. Is that how it's pronounced? Puka. No, no. Puka was it. Oh. Wait, hold on. Well, uh... What is P-U-K-K, anyone? We have Rupesh here, who's a Pukka Hindi speaker. And others, I don't know, some of the South Indian devotees also speak Hindi. No, it's just such a cool word. I wonder if it was talking about it. What does it mean? It's used for anything that's like very good. Like um, you oh, go to a restaurant. Pukka. All the all the waiters had uniforms. And yeah. the head steward had a fancy uniform. It was yeah. very Pukka, right? That's Pukka. Pukka is the pronunciation. Oh, that one, even I know that one. Yeah, but that's a, like a cool word. And that's, I guess, kind of time to envy, right? You see Pukka and you say, oh, man. Yeah, you, you, you get envious of someone else's Pukka. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't have to worry about it because I'm Kacha, not Pukka. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else? Because envy is such a interesting topic and, um, Prabhupada would sometimes say that you can you can dovetail everything in Krishna consciousness except envy, but then he also said that in the spiritual world the the the, the um, gopis are sometimes envious, but in a very spiritual way that they say, "Oh, that other gopi has served Krishna served Krishna so nicely. Let me try to do even more than them." But they but they're doing it totally out of appreciation, totally out of appreciation. So we can also, you know, by the way, I don't know if I ever told you, I think I did tell you this. I mean, I figure after 206 classes, I told you anything that's ever been in my mind, you know. But uh, um, many years ago, I was a Sangerton leader in 2000, no, 1979, I think it was. And we had this this uh, competition, transcendental competition. 
that whoever uh, distributed the most books um, would get to go to India for the for the festival. So I noticed that the uh, atmosphere amongst the devotees who were distributing books was not very transcendental. Everyone was a little upset when someone else did more than them because they thought, oh, they're going to get to go to India and I'm not going to get to go to India. Oh, right. So the next year I, I, I saw this and I came up with an idea. I set a very, very high goal for the whole team, not for an, any individual. And I said, if we, set, if we hit that goal, we can all go to India. And it, but it was a very high goal, almost out of reach. But the idea would be that even then we would collect enough uh, money so that it would be okay to pay the airfares and everything. It's no problem. But the whole atmosphere totally changed. And everyone was so happy when someone did, you know, more, distributed more books than them. And it was, it was just the whole atmosphere was so much more camaraderie and, and enthusiasm and, and Krishna consciousness. And we all went to, we actually reached that goal. Amazing. It was a very difficult goal. And uh, we reached that goal. And, and it was just a very, and there was no envy because everyone was just, you know, even if you were self-interested, your self-interest was satisfied by someone else doing well, right? So uh, let me just look at this. Uh, Shahat says, Prabhu, how is complaining to God uh, a sign of envy towards him? Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like saying, Krishna, if I was God, I would not have done this to me, right? So you want to kind of be in his place, you know? You want to, you want to have something that he has. You know, he's supposed to be some big, big controller, but look what he did to me. If I was God, I would, I would definitely, I would end world hunger tomorrow, you know, or this or that. So I think that's, is that help? Um, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name, Chahat. Um, yes, Prabhu, that helps. Oh, it's Shaitanya Bhava, Prabhu. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you're saying basically that, uh, that trying to say that he is not perfect and I could be better. Yeah. Now, you know, it's... I don't, I don't know how to say this. To, I don't want to discourage or encourage it in the wrong way. But, you know, sometimes you can go up to the deity and say, Krishna, you know, could you just give me a break? You know, please, you know. I mean, it's really rough around here. You know, could you just give me a break, Krishna, and help me out? You know, kind of have a chat with him about uh, not exactly complaining, but just opening your heart to him in a little, you know, cut me some slack, you know. You know, in, in that sense, but not like demanding Krishna, you know, I want this or else I'm not going to serve you anymore. Um, I'm, really, I'm really glad you're making that distinction because it really is encouraged that we reveal our mind to the deity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so Suganda writes, when someone else is envious of us, harming us, how should we react? Hmm. Well, should we just tolerate? That depends on the situation. We, our general mood is to tolerate. Our general mood is to not be upset at the agent of our karma. Um, now, there may be some practical considerations that have to be... Oh, now Ananta Rupa is commenting. Uh, oh, she's adding, uh, should we consider anyone to be envious of? Isn't that being judgmental to God's plan because every living entity is an instrument of what is due to us? Yes, but you know, sometimes they can, on the, on the ground, can be causing challenges that, um, that are hurt, maybe hurting our service to Krishna. So in that sense, we have to maybe be a little intelligent. Maybe, maybe we should 
contact ISCON Resolve and have a mediation with that person. That is a service that we have. Um, maybe talk, go up and talk to them and explain our motivation because maybe they've misunderstood or made assumptions about us that are inaccurate. Um, or maybe if they're just incorrigible and unreasonable, we may have to, you know, be, uh, use our intelligence, you know, like Narada Muni and the snake. We talked about that, right? His disciple who was a snake. And he said, okay, you're a devotee. You can't strike any, you can't, you're a cobra. You can't strike anybody anywhere. Or, but you can still raise your hoods as if you're going to. And that will, uh, maybe keep them in line. So, you know, um, it depends on the time, the place and, the circumstance. Um, but if we can clarify things with them, then we're actually being compassionate because even if we don't consider ourselves much of a devotee, them having an ill attitude towards someone who's at least trying to be a devotee is not healthy for them. And if we have an unhealthy reciprocation towards them, that's unhealthy for us. So that's one of the reasons that we started this resolve to, uh, to, because sometimes it's just, you know, making assumptions about each other and thinking that this is what they, this is what they mean. We're actually, you know, we can, we, we talking to them gives us a chance to clarify our, our intention. Is that all right, Suganda? Yeah. So Madhya Adhikar avoids association with the envious. Yes. Um, but we don't want to too quickly, if the other person's a devotee, we don't want to too quickly label them envious. Now, the other day, uh, gosh, it seems like it was just yesterday, actually, I think. I was on a call in Coimbatore, and uh, His Holiness Bhaktivinoda Maharaj was on the call. And he, so he preaches in Kerala. And Kerala is a very tricky place. Anyone here from Kerala? It's a very difficult place, actually, to, uh, to in some ways, because... The Mayavadis there actually know Sanskrit. It's the, you know, the home of Sankaracharya and, and, and they're happy to argue with you for four hours. You know, they'll spend, according to him, they'll spend all day. Um, there's, there's two difficult people to preach to in Kerala, the communists. There's a lot of communists, uh, and the, uh, Mayavadis. <laughs> so someone asked a similar question about, well, this is about preaching. And Mari said, why are you going to preach to my body? There's so many other innocent people to go talk to. <laughs> or he said, just give, give them some prashadam. You know, because he said he's caught himself up and there's quoting Shankar. They're quoting, you know, Vedanta Sutra and this and that. And he's like, oh my God, what am I doing? What did I get myself into here? <laughs> so, um, yes, avoiding the uh, envious is, is something that, that a Madhyama Adhikari does sometimes. They just say... There's so many innocent people in this world, the vast majority. Why should I spend my time too much on someone whose heart is just so troubled right now? But but if we can give them some prasadam or have them hear the holy name, that's glorious. Um, was that okay, uh, Sugandha? Yes. yes. Okay. You're very, yes. you're very kind. Um, now, Ananda Rupa is, is bringing things up to a higher level of Krishna consciousness because she or it's either her or her husband is very, very advanced, uh, that seeing everything as God's plan, that's the Uttama vision. And as um, Sudanda has quoted here, the Madhyama vision is different. But if we can, if we, um, we don't necessarily have to be judgmental. You see, there's, there's, uh, 
there's different, there's three different, what is it called? D-E-I. D stands for description, E for evaluation. Uh, no, D-I-E. Um, D stands for description, I for interpretation, and E for evaluation. So when I do a conflict resolution training, I actually sometimes show, oh, I don't think I can find it right now. But I show a picture of a, if you, any of you know, I forget his first, his first name, but his last name is Nate Dahl. He's a famous tennis player. And it shows him like this, like really, really intense and pointing his finger. And so I ask people, what do you see? And devotees say anger. Other people say joy. Other people say intensity. And I said, uh, I asked you, what do you see? What you should have said is, I see uh, a person with white teeth and a uh, blue and white headband and a Nike uh, sweatband and a tennis racket. You know, that's what you see. They went immediately to I, interpretation, right? That they interpret, oh, he's angry, he's, he's happy, he's whatever. And if they could have said, now, now that, that's fine, then the E is evaluation. He's a bad person. He's a carmy. He's a this. He's a that. So there, there's three levels of this. So just description, uh, interpretation, and evaluation. So we don't necessarily have to, if we just see that somebody uh, is speaking a lot of Mayavad philosophy and they're not listening to a word we're saying, that's just a description, right? And, it, uh, well, an interpretation, maybe they're not hearing a word we said, but the, the, Description is they cut it, they cut me off when I try to say something and they are quoting Sankara all the time or Buddhism or whatever. So the interpretation might be they're not listening to a word I'm saying. This is not a good use of my time. The evaluation could be this is a stinking, rotten, lousy dog, hog, camel, ass, Maya body. Uh, <laughs> we don't necessarily have to criticize them. We just say Hare Krishna and go find some innocent people to talk to. Okay, now Jay is quoting His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj. The key is not uh, to not being envious of someone is to serve them. Okay, now we're talking about devotees here. I'm pretty sure he's talking. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, about the context. You can always serve. Even if you cannot serve others in person, you can send a letter, a card, or a gift, or arrange in some way to do something as an expression of honoring the person's existence. Well, this could be people in general. Enviousness means attacking another's existence. Therefore, freedom from envy means doing the opposite, finding ways to appreciate the presence of those around you, to serve them, and to honor them. So thank you so much. There's a beautiful statement from one of our great members of ISKCON, His Holiness Bhaktitirtha Maharaj. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Jiva Prabhu. So this quote should be properly understood. So if we feel envy towards someone, then we should serve them, we should honor them, right? From that particular perspective. If we see that someone is envious, A person is envious towards B, we should not glorify A because that would be in the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Context, time, place, circumstances, it's very important. Now, Suganda is like, this is the battle of the quotes. <laughs> Another Bhakti Tirtamaraj quote. As Vaishnavas, we should keep in mind that envy is comparable to telling another devotee, don't excel spiritually. Hmm. To a devotee who is singing nice bhajans or singing spiritual songs in the temple, an envious person is actually saying, do not sing so beautifully for Krishna. When a pujari dresses the deities gorgeously, an envious person sends him a message, don't dress Krishna so sweetly. 
If we become envious of someone because they cook expertly for the deities, we basically communicate, don't offer Krishna such nice preparations, offer him tasteless food. How can a devotee think in that way? Offer guru poor quality, offer sadhu poor quality, offer Krishna poor quality. We can carry an endless mentality into the environment. We support me. When we carry an envious mentality into the environment, we support mediocrity. The envious wish upon others. Be whimsical and frivolous in your service. The mentality of a real Vaishnava is the opposite, of course. True devotees always want to see better service being done for Krishna. And one way to do this is have the right kind of Krishna katas with people, asking the right kind of questions. You know, if you ask the right kind of question, you bring out the best quality in others. You say, well, uh, let's say um, uh, Nandimuki is very uh, envious of Suganda, which is their very good friend. So it's, <laughs> it's obviously not. But I would say, Nandimuki, tell me something really wonderful about Suganda. And so asking the right questions, you know, brings out uh, the right consciousness also. Okay, wonderful discussion about envy. Now we're going up to 58. Um, my dear gentle wife, never enter the water. This is part of the brat, the vow. The, yeah. Never enter the water Never enter the water while bathing. Never be angry and do not even speak or associate with wicked people. Never wear clothes that have not been properly washed and do not put on a garland that has already been worn. Of course, prasadam garlands is something different. Never eat leftover food. Never eat prasad offered to the goddess Kali. Do not eat anything contaminated by flesh or fish. Do not eat anything brought or touched by a shudra or anything seen by a woman in her menstrual period. Do not drink water by joining your palms. Uh, and Prabhupada makes, gives us the essence of all this because the details, you know, are time and place. Through all these instructions, Kasyapa Muni, in a negative way, instructed his wife, Diti, how to become a Vaishnavi, which is the essence of what he's trying to accomplish. After eating, you should not go out to the street without having washed your mouth, hands, and feet. You should not go out in the evening or with your hair loose, nor should you go out unless you are properly decorated with ornaments. You should not leave the house unless you are very grave and are sufficiently covered. Prabhupada, very much preaching about the times, he said uh, he did not encourage miniskirts. <laughs> you should not lie down without having washed both your feet or without being purified, nor with wet feet or with your head pointed west or north. Right? It's usually recommended we try to face south or east when we're resting uh, our bed should we try to try to have our bed facing that way you should not lie naked or with other women or during the sunrise or sunset putting on washed clothing being always pure and being adorned with turmeric sandalwood pulp and other auspicious items before breakfast one should worship the cows the brahmanas the goddess of fortune and the supreme personality of godhead with flower garlands, sandalwood pulp, ornaments, and other paraphernalia, a woman following this vow should worship women who have sons and whose husbands are living. The pregnant wife should worship her husband and offer him prayers. She should meditate upon him, thinking he is, is situated in her womb. So remember, this is a prayer to have a son, and specifically her prayers to have a son that will kill Indra. <laughs> um, Kasyapa continued, if you perform this ceremony called Pung Shravana, 
adhering to the vow with faith for the, at least one year, you will give birth to a son destined to kill Indra. But if there is any discrepancy in the discharge of this vow, the son will be a friend of Indra. O King Parikshit, Diti, the wife of Kasyapa, agreed to undergo this purificatory process known as Pongshavana. Yes, she said, I shall do everything according to your instructions. With great jubilation, she became pregnant, having taken semen from Kasyapa and faithfully began discharging the vow. O king, who, O king, who are respectful to everyone, Indra understood Diti's purpose and thus he contrived to fulfill his own interests. Everyone's doing their own interest program, right? Following the logic that self-preservation is the first law of nature, he wanted to break Diti's promise. Thus, he engaged himself in the service of Diti, his aunt, who was residing in an ashram. Indra served his aunt daily by bringing flowers, fruits, roots, and wood for yagdas um, from the forest. He also brought kusha grass, leaves, sprouts, earth, and water exactly at the proper time. O King Parikshit, as the hunter of a deer becomes like a deer by covering his body with deerskin and serving the deer, so Indra, although at heart the enemy of the sons of Diti, became outwardly friendly and served Diti in a fair, faithful way. Indra's purpose was to cheat Diti as soon as he could find some fault in the way she discharged, discharged the vows of the ritualistic ceremony. However, he wanted to be undetected and therefore served her very carefully. And it's interesting, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur comments on this, that although Indra wanted to catch him, uh, Vishwanath says that, um, quote, uh, commenting on this particular verse, says that faults in vows are nullified by remembering and glorifying Vishnu. So he quotes from the Skanda Purana from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, here's one quote. Uh, I offer my obeisances to the infallible Lord because simply by either remembering him or chanting his names, all penances, sacrifices, and fruitive activities become perfect. So... Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is saying, well, actually, <laughs> uh, Diti's vow can remain perfect even if she makes a few mistakes because if, she, if she's doing it with bhakti. And that's true for us as well. And it's also true that we don't want to take advantage of it. We want to do everything as, I'll say this word for um, Andy's pleasure, as pukka as possible. <laughs> um. And at the same time, understand that, you know, we, therefore there's these beautiful prayers at the end of offering, uh, doing deity worship. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if, if anyone would have, um, access to them, but, and I used to have them memorized when I used to do deity worship, but I don't do deity worship anymore. I think, uh, Jiva Tafrapu does. He might memorize them, but I see. Anyways, it's prayers for forgiveness at the end. It's basically saying, listen, you know, I may have, when I chanted this mantra or done this puja, I may have made a mistake. Please forgive all that. And Krishna very easily does that um, for someone who has devotion. Okay. Any questions on that? Uh, what, what we've just read in the last few minutes? Or comments? It's an interesting um, thing to consider that, you know, there are so many dispensations for practicing bhakti because bhakti is so powerful. For example, you have to be a sannyasi or a, a renunciate to practice the other yoga systems. But in bhakti, you can make great advancement by being a householder. And, you know, the holy name relieves us from all sinful reactions and this and that. 
But we just have to be, when we read all of these things, then they're true. They're totally true. We don't want to get into kind of the somewhat cheating mentality of taking advantage of, of that. Even, even the seventh offense against the holy name to commit sinful activities on the strength of chanting. We, so we read the chanting so powerful. It frees us all sins. Therefore, let me just go out and do all kinds of cool sins and then chant Hare Krishna. So that, that's considered one of the great offenses, that it offends God to do that. And similarly, when we hear these great benedictions that we get by practicing yoga bhakti, we should just be careful. We, we want to have simultaneously faith in them and simultaneously not take undue advantage of them, thinking that, oh, it's okay. Bhakti will protect me. So it's an important thing to remember. Any thoughts on that? Okay, then we're going, we're going to be continuing to read a bunch more verses, and we have 11 more minutes. Text 59. O master of the entire world, when Indra could find no faults, he thought, how will there be good fortune for me? Thus he was full of deep anxiety. Having grown weak and thin because of strictly following the principles of vow, Diti once unfortunately neglected to wash her mouth, hands, and feet after eating and went to sleep during the evening twilight. So she broke the thing about washing her hands and for taking rest during the twilight. By the way, one of the key words, if you could find this, uh, Sugandha, Baba Grahi Janardhan, and put it in the chat. And when you do, we'll discuss that a little bit, but we'll continue now. Finding this fault, Indra, who had all mystic powers, the yoga cities such as Anima and Lagima, entered Jiti's womb, while she was unconscious, being fast asleep. Prabhupada writes in the purport that, yeah, this is one of the mystic powers. After entering Diti's womb, Indra, with the help of his thunderbolt, cut into seven pieces her embryo, which appeared like glowing gold. In seven places, seven different living entities began crying. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says that the different living entities entered each of the seven bodies. Indra told them, do not cry. And then he cut each of them into seven pieces again. And Prabhupada writes here, when each body was cut into seven, other living entities entered the new bodies. O king, being very much aggrieved, they pleaded to Indra with folded hands, saying, Dear Indra, we are the Maruts, your brothers. Why are you trying to kill us? When Indra saw that actually they were his devoted followers, he said to them, You are all my brothers. You have nothing more to fear from me. Um... Oh, uh, it, it's, uh, let me see. I don't know if I'm spelling it right, but. Yeah, that, oh, it's not grace, it's grahi. <laughs> and it's not brava. <laughs> Jeez, it's bava. <laughs> ah, it's bava, bava grahi chinardin. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and oh, Suganad put it there. Okay. So, I'm sorry. Suganad already put it there. Uh, if you could find the time that Prabhupada quotes that, that would be great. Sorry, I, I saw you. I didn't see you had already written it. Uh, let's carry on. And if you can't find it, no problem. Nothing more to fear from me. Sukadeva Goswami said, My dear Maharaj Pariksit, you were burned by the Brahmastra Ashatama, but when Lord Krishna entered the womb of your mother, you were saved. Similarly, although the one embryo was cut into 49 pieces by the thunderbolt of Indra, they were all saved by the mercy of the Supreme Personality of God. So Sukadev's kind of saying, you, could, you should be able to relate to this pastime. 
this this is kind of ha- what happened to you, not in this, exactly the same way. And then he explains why. If one worships the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the original person even once, he receives the benefit of being promoted to the spiritual world and possessing the same bodily features as Vishnu. Diti worshipped Lord Vishnu for almost one year, adhering to a great vow. Because of such strength in spiritual life, the 49 Maruts were born. How then is this is it wonderful that the Maruts, although born from the womb of Diti, became equal to the demigods by the mercy of the Supreme Lord? That was his uh, question. Oh, that's Ensuka Gave Goswami is speaking. Uh, so here we go. Um, in this, but if in everything we do, devotion and sincerity are the real thing. There is a word in Sanskrit, Bhava Grahi Janardhan. This means that the Lord accepts service in devotional emotion. If we are sincere in offering something to the Lord in devotional love, he will accept it. So in other words, Krishna, he, the essence, he takes the essence of a devotee's sentiment. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't chant this mantra exactly right or do this exactly right, he takes the essence of their devotee's sentiment. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Okay. Text 67 and 60, 66 and 67. If one worships the supreme personality of God at the original person, even once, he receives the, even once, can you believe that? He receives the benefit of being promoted to the spiritual world and possessing the same bodily features as Vishnu. Diti worshiped Lord Vishnu for almost one year, adhering to a great vow. Because of such strength in spiritual life, the 49 Maruts were born. How then is it wonderful that the Maruts, although born from the womb of Diti, became equal to the demigods by the mercy of the Supreme Lord? Because of worshiping the Supreme Personality of God, Diti was completely purified. When she got up from bed, she saw her 49 sons along with Indra. These 49 sons were all as brilliant as fire and were in friendship with Indra. Therefore, she was very pleased. Thereafter, Diti said to Indra, my dear son, Oh, let's see. I think we should, um, I think we should end here because this is what I really wanted to focus on, but I, we didn't get to it. But, um, we're going to, it's, it's just such a beautiful example of how they attained, uh, they, they overcame their envy of each other and developed affection for one another. And they were very, very, I, I think it was, was it Andy was saying? They were very, no, that was in another group I was in earlier today. They were very straightforward. Both of them really speaking their mind and telling them exactly what their previous intentions were. Uh, and still um, they get along wonderfully in the end. Oh, so let's, let's read this whole quote from Prabhupada. But in everything we do, devotion and sincerity are the real things. There is a word in Sanskrit, Bhava Grahi Janardhan. This means the Lord accepts service in devotional emotion. If we are sincere in offering something to the Lord in devotional love, he will accept it. The procedure may not be very right, but the desire being sincere, he accepts our offering. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita that he accepts foodstuffs from devotees because they are offered to him in complete love and affection. Anyone know that verse Prabhupada is referring to in the Bhagavad Gita? Very good. Chapter 9, verse 20, 26, 36. 26. 26. 26. Thank you. And, and Amanda also, she got it there before I got it. Thank you, Amanda. So, yes, it is very beautiful. It is very nice. And at the same time, that doesn't mean we don't do some details saying, oh, well, Krishna doesn't, doesn't mind. 
we try not to cut corners. So we, it's, it's two things. We try not to cut corners and we try not to do the details as if they are the essence. The essence is Baba Grahi Janardhan, or the essence is our devotion. And, but the details, as we've quoted before, are kinkaras, they're servants of the principle. So that doesn't mean they're not important. They're kinkaras, they're servants. So putting on tilak, you can be, go back to Godhead without putting tilak on, but it's still a devotional practice that Prabhupada has given us. So we do it. Or even if we're going to work, we can put on water tilak. You, no one will see it, but Prabhupada told Peter Burwash that you can do it, put on water tilak every day. So that's just an example. So the, the verse is Smartavya Satatam Vishnu Vismartavina Jatuchit Sarva Vidi Nisetashur Etayor Evakankaram. That the essence is to always remember Krishna, never forget him. And all the do's and don'ts, the vidis and nishetas, are kinkaras, they're servants of this principle. So we fix the principle and then we follow the details uh, as much as we can, especially those that are favorable. So any last words of wisdom before we end for the day? And please, uh, I did ask you to think about whether what we should do at when we end this chapter, uh, the next chapter, which we might do tomorrow, uh, next Sunday. But any questions or comments or anything else you want to say? I would like to continue Prabhu reading seventh canto. Okay. Well, um, you'll bring that up next week. Okay. Thank you. All right. So uh, no one has ever complained when a class ended a little early. So we will end now and we will see you all um, uh, next week. Thank you very, very much. Uh, you won't have any extra homework to do because if you've done the homework, then you're all good. And Hare Krishna. Glory to Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.